On today's episode, plastic tubes and pots and pans, bits and pieces, and the magic from our hands. We're going to get weird. It's Weird Science by Uncle Boingo for the 1985 film Weird Science. Let's start the pod. Hello and welcome to The Song Will Go On, the podcast inspired by the songs, inspired by the motion pictures. I'm Paolo Grassini. Joining me today, straight from my floppy disk, I engineer the perfect <laughs> host and out she came. It's Sofia Matano. What's up, Sophie? Good to be here. Our guest today, she's making her return to the pot. We couldn't go through Halloween without having her on. Part-time co-host of both the Losers Club podcast, yes, that's a pod dedicated to all things Stephen King, and the Pod and the Pendulum podcast, which, by the way, deep dives into all things horror. And you can also find her writing in sites like Rue Morgue, Dead Central, Daily Groundhouse, it's Rachel Reeves. Hey guys, I am ready to get weird with y'all. <laughs> oh yeah. Thank you, Rachel, so much for joining us. You actually did not pick today's song. And Sophie didn't. didn't. It was me. It was nope. me. <laughs> this is my pick. We can't wait to know what your thoughts are. So people are asking themselves maybe, why did I pick this song? It's pretty straightforward. It's only one of my favorite movie songs ever. And what better time to cover it than as part of our Halloween month celebration at the song will go on. <laughs> Before we get to the song though, a couple of quick headlines. Shout out to our patrons of the Patreon. Yes, perhaps one of the most important aspects of the song will go on. Without a doubt, it's our Patreon. It's the number one way we get to grow the podcast and make sure that, yes, pun intended, the pod will go on. <laughs> and we're <laughs> doing some really special stuff over there. We have exclusive episodes called Needle Drops. Uh, we're co that covers non-original songs used in movies. Uh, we have a Discord channel where we can all chat, hang out, geek out about stuff we love. And we're also sharing monthly music playlists so you can check out what we're listening to. And we're even making a special The Song Will Go On Season 1 cassette tape as a special gift to our top supporters. Because we know you all want those cassettes to play on your cassette players. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, so don't forget to connect with us on our socials too. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at The Song Will Go On. We're there. Come hang out with us. And if you enjoy the show, a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts goes a long way to help the pod grow. Well, full sets of enough said. Let's pull the electric switch and time to bring this podcast to life. Before we get to Ongo Boingo, though, and We're Science, the song, let's get to We're Science, the movie. That's right. It's creator, the movie. You know how we do it. Alive. It's alive. It's I love how that plays in Halloween season. And for this movie, very yeah, appropriate. I, I was going to say, it's yeah. particularly perfect yeah. for this movie. I created it just for this episode. <laughs> we have reached the top. Yep. It's all coming together. <laughs> okay. Well, Sophie, let's hear your film setup. What have you 
What are the bits and pieces that you've gathered around? <laughs> Show us this monster you created. All right. Weird Science is a 1985 sci-fi comedy film written and directed by John Hughes and starring Anthony Michael Hall, Elon Mitchell-Smith, and Kelly LeBrock. It also features Bill Paxton and Robert Downey Jr. John Hughes was a filmmaker best known for his teen movies, such as Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. These films often featured members of the so-called Brat Pack, a group of actors in their 20s known for starring in coming-of-age films in the mid-80s, with the term being a play on the Rat Pack of the 50s and 60s. Anthony Michael Hall was a member of the group and appeared in four of Hughes's movies, including the one we're here to discuss today, Weird Science. Of those, do you guys have any favorites? Ferris. Ferris? I was going to say, probably Ferris. Yeah. Although, I don't know, Breakfast Club has its... Yeah. That's some good moments. That's it's very true. Great. I think great it has moments. to yeah. do with my age at watching it. Like, I could relate more to, I was on the younger side, I wasn't mm. a teenager. So I could relate more to like skipping a day of school rather than teenage angst and stuck in detention. You never got detention? So. Detention was really not a thing in Puerto Rico. Okay. That was a movie <laughs> thing. So. Uh, all right. So, uh, in our film today, Weird Science, two teen misfits design their ideal woman on a computer and bring her to light. She coaches them to gain popularity and self-confidence, but this also gets them into dangerous situations. Can they clean up their mess before their parents get home? (laughs) That's the big important thing. Well, that that is my best shot at this plot without going down a massive rabbit hole. So uh, the movie premiered August 2nd, 1985. It opened to mostly positive reviews, most of which included a caveat that this movie was exclusively for 14 to 15 year old boys. Kelly LeBrock's performance is often hailed as the standout, and the film made $23.8 million against its $7.5 million budget. Dang. Yeah. Nine years later, the movie was adapted into a TV show, and that ran for five seasons between 94 and 98. The song we're here to discuss today also served as the theme song to the show, but Hughes was not involved in the project. Since then, the film has reached cult status, along with the rest of Hughes' directorial work, but it's generally regarded as one of the weaker movies of the bunch. So, what do you both think? Does it stack up to Hughes' other work, or did Weird Science miss the mark? So, Rachel, when we reached out to you to talk about mm-hmm. this song, you were like, oh, I've never had a chance to watch this film. Uh, this could be a good opportunity <laughs> to see it. Tell us about it. How was that mm-hmm. journey? Oh, I mean, I've seen this. I've just never had a chance to, like, talk about it. Mm. So, like, this is this is great. But I will say... This film to me, like if I'm looking at all of his work, like this calls to me the most. Really? It's got those elements that me personally, Mm -hmm. I relate to better, you know, like the little like goofy horror elements, the sci-fi elements, like that is more my jam Uh than like Pretty in Pink. (laughs) Like Like Bill Paxton turning into like a turd monster. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. The special effects, like Mm -hmm. the goofy, like visual effects that are going on, like that is much more my personal jam. Got it. Than some of like the Molly Ringwald stuff. Like it's sweet, you know, the romance, the teen romance comedy stuff. But this is just so much more fun. It's kind of, I will say it's been a minute since I've watched it. And there's some parts that we can talk about later that I was like, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> not held up well. But also, I don't know, kind of similar to John Hughes's other works. Oh. It seems like there's a lot of stuff that could not make this movie today. Nope. Mm-hmm. Not this way anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Selfie, were you aware of We Are Science apart from the song? Like, 
the movie? Have you seen it at all? Did you watch actually the TV show? I watched the TV show. Is that something oh, you, you were aware of? I have never seen that. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, I, I wasn't familiar <laughs> with the TV show at all. Um, but I did, of course, know about the movie. I definitely had a John Hughes phase in high school in particular. I mostly connected with The Breakfast Club at the time. You know, my my wannabe angstiness um, really like that movie like resounded with me. Uh, so I somehow just kind of missed weird science, even though I was definitely aware of it. And this was my first time watching it. Did you dodge a bullet or are you bummed <laughs> out? I well, I want to get your impressions first, um, but <laughs> in, in a word, I was disappointed. So I was a bit bummed out rewatching it now. I've seen it. A handful of times when I was a kid, uh, I was just catching on TV, you know, it was on TBS or whatever, and you just watch it. Before revisiting to the podcast, I thought, it's John Hughes and a cool premise. Like, how bad could it have aged? And yeah, it has some parts that are like <laughs> rotting <laughs> from how bad they have aged. Some truly cringe-worthy moments. Yeah, that was probably what I didn't exactly expect. I I didn't go in with high expectations. I knew the general premise of the movie and that it's from the 80s. And like, for those reasons, I kind of knew that like I was going to clash with this movie. Um, but even though I knew this movie wasn't for me, I still went in expecting to kind of have a, a better time than I ended up having because it was a classic, right? Um, yeah, this movie really just has one audience and that is 14-year-old boys. Like if I say a cringe-worthy moment, there's not necessarily one moment we're thinking of. We're probably thinking yeah. of various aspects of it. I hate to do the whole revisionist history. Like, I get it. But I feel like even for like an 80s movies or something like that, there is sort of like a line that you can sort of forgive. And a couple of things that I guess were a bit sour watching it now was the bar scene was immediately when it started. I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> I, for, I forgot what decade I was just traveling to, but... Bitch, need your nuts? Bitch, need my nuts, man. Stop playing with you. In the family jewel. In the family jewel, man. Worst oh, pain there is. Broke my heart in two. You broke more than your heart. Yeah, you don't like that, baby. You can forget that other one. I think what was extra shocking about it is it didn't serve the plot at all. It was just sort of a moment where they were like, let's go to a bar. And... Most of the patrons at the bar were older than them and were also black. I guess the humor was I I I I really don't know what they were going for in I, this. Scene. I did find some interesting uh some by from Anthony Michael Hall talking about how, how that came together here. Let's I would start imitating Richard Pryor because one weekend, probably on 16 Candles or something, I got into sort of imitating Richard Pryor. There was this old character I used to do called mm -hmm. Mudbone. Yep. And it was kind of like a spin on that. So it was basically me making John laugh, imitating Richard Pryor, and he got a kick out of it, and I was just blown away. I mean, I was just a scrawny little kid. I didn't even know what the hell I was doing, and he was like, we're going to do that, you know? And so the voice in the Breakfast Club kind of became the setup for the, for the weird science bit. You know, we just basically kind of ad-libbed all that, right? I mean, it was, it was, some of it was written, but he was really great about kind of setting the scene, and we just kind of ad-libbed a lot of it, so it was fun. It definitely felt like it was ad-libbed because it yeah. went on entirely too long. It wasn't just a so one-liner joke. Like, it went on for half of a scene. <laughs> they literally wrote this whole scene around the fact around the that bit. he could do yeah. that impression. And that's... Yeah. That's the power of John Hughes back then. <laughs> well, you know, John Hughes like, definitely yeah. loved it because, I, as, as he said, you know, it was a one-liner joke in The Breakfast Club in the scene when they're smoking in the library. 
it works better as just a one-liner impression instead of like an entire scene based on this like questionable impression that like kind of makes yeah. my skin crawl watching it. People so. love this scene though. I in YouTube the I was reading the comments and everyone's like the funniest scene in movie history. Oh my god, this is amazing. What a legend. I was like, I don't know, am I like being a, a stick up my butt? I don't I don't get it. I also regardless of like how cringe were it's just I didn't find it that funny. Yeah, and there were a couple other stuff in in the movies, like the the slurs, kind of. But that happens a lot with movies that that yeah. age. In in our big hero speech, Anthony Michael Hall uses a slur, um, mm-hmm. and that wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that, the fact that it was uh, a hero speech, like adds like yeah. insult to injury. Yeah, like here's like, our good guy like moment, an off comment yeah. or something. It was like right in the moment where you're like, oh, and it's like, whoops. Yeah, and we're supposed to be agreeing with him, right? So like, it just like, ugh. Apart from all of that, again, I, I I hate that aspect of trying to be revisionist history. Apart from all of that, I just didn't connect with the characters the way that you connect with the John Hughes movie. The plot, like, just based on like a storytelling level, like it wasn't a lot here. For me to like enjoy, I don't know. It wasn't I didn't find it that funny. I didn't connect to the characters. I, I thought the plot wasn't that well executed. It's just a really awesome premise with a couple of cool moments, which we'll talk about, but not in the same league as other John Hughes movies that are just so in tune with your mindset as a teenager. Also, just so heartfelt and and really moving pictures, regardless of what they're the teenager or coming of age story they're telling. Yeah, Rachel, how did you feel about watching this movie? Like, again, assuming that it had been a little bit of time. Yeah, no, it's been a while. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. (laughs) Also, it struck me for the first time. I'm like, wait, they're 15. Mm -hmm. And she is how old? I think they said 23. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's a little weird. And she's definitely like grabbing butts and making out. And so that, you know, sits a little strange. I will say. It just, I guess, shows the power of um, style because (laughs) I do feel like this movie is held together by style Mm -hmm. and that, you know, the music that we're going to talk about, the outfits, the special Oh, yeah. When she changes them and I was like, man, I got to. I gotta go on Etsy and try to find some, ja- some jackets like <laughs> those. The outfits, the cars, you know, the graphics, even you know, the party scene. Like it has all of these elements that are so appealing, and yes. that that is really what holds the story together. I'm thinking of people who tune in being like a love weird science, and the first thing out of the bat we say is like it's worse quality, and yeah, that's a tough one. Like, I, but there are some things I enjoy, like like the things you're saying, the sequence where. Yeah. They create their second, uh, try to create their second women. And you go into this like sort of Twilight Zone, but fun tone of the movie. And like the frame is coming to life. The parents are dancing. The Mm -hmm. kitchen gets turned to blue. The rockets. And you're at that point also listening to the Weird Science movie song. To me, I like, I am all in in that, those moments. I just don't think we got the best version of this movie. God, I actually want to, I would love like a remake of this. There are some great pieces here, <laughs> just like Frankenstein. There are some great pieces here that together just don't quite come. Well, yeah. And I think like, I do think like that's part of what is good about this. It is all of those unique pieces. Also, I have to say like, I love 
ancient <laughs> depictions of the internet yeah right oh, yes yes the hacking <laughs> like scene. all of the graph yeah the hacking and the graphics and all of that like i don't know about any of you but i no, did yes. feel really disappointed by the real internet when <laughs> it doesn't look like that <laughs> like i really want all of you know the skulls and yeah, the, yeah, all yeah. the lines like I, I really want that experience that hacker experience and so i feel like they nailed that I do appreciate how you can see what he was doing. He was like, all right, you know, I'm the king. I'm the king of these, you know, teen comedy movies. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make my like, how cool would it be if we take a, an old, the old Frankenstein story, but put it in this environment. So I, I love that idea. There's just some things that maybe didn't quite hold up so well over time. Yeah, so that's definitely agree. And if you two will bear with me, I think I I, I was thinking about like, oh, there are so there are some cool moments in this movie, but the movie kind of gets in its own way. And I was trying to mm. figure out where like the where it really went wrong. <laughs> and uh, if you'll bear with me in my like movie analysis, I'm going to put my, my glasses on. The biggest sin that this movie committed is that it has an incredibly short first act. Oh, it has one? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> the first act of the movie is like really important to introduce the audience to the characters and get us to empathize with them and set the tone of the movie and, the, you know, just put, put us on the track for the rest of the film. Six minutes into the movie, they're already making a woman. Like, yeah. And that sequence takes six minutes. So then. She's here by minute 13. And the fact that we haven't had enough time to hang out with these characters and see where this story is going to go really hinders the experience of watching it because the boys never really have a plan. Like the only plan that they have in the entire movie is to make a woman. And then they're already done with that in 13 minutes. Like around the 16 minute mark, the characters literally say one of them says, what are we going to do with her? And then the other one <laughs> says, I'm sure you'll think of something. <laughs> and then they go to the bar. Like, they're just, like, yeah. along for the ride. And, like, I need my my main characters. I need my protagonists to, like, take me on this journey with them. We didn't get enough time to, like, feel bad for them, I think. <laughs> Basically, we, we didn't get enough time to, like, get on their side and, like, empathize with them. Because later on, we see them kind of getting a little arrogant and a little bit of confidence, like false confidence, right. I guess. Mm -hmm. So like seeing them develop that way, it would have been nice if we were a little bit more on their side. So that behavior didn't, I don't know, just feel kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> to me, one of the things that I noticed that I wanted from this film that was absent was Kelly LeBrock, who plays uh, Lisa, which by the mm -hmm. way, is that a pawn on, is that an homage to the app, Apple Lisa, the first computer with graphic generated interface, oh, graphic could, user could be user, graphic <laughs> no user idea. interface. Yeah, but, but I love that. I, 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 yeah, I read I it like, that I way. Like I was that. like, ah, oh, yes, I love this. <laughs> Again, so many things why I should have loved this movie, but not. But Kelly LeBrock, who plays Lisa, she describes her character as Mary Poppins with boobs. Oh, absolutely. And yes, on paper, that is the type of character from what I thought a good version of this movie is, but. To Sophie's point, like, we don't know what lessons they need to learn. She really doesn't mm -hmm. teach them anything. Like, she crosses a line. Oh, like, yeah. She's, get in the, sh like, she, so, that's, that's what makes it weird. Like, don't get in the shower and make out with these boys <laughs> if you're Mary Poppins. So that's the frustrating thing. It's just like, I feel like the movie 
that's what it wanted to be or thought it was, but there's it doesn't have that story development to get it there. Yeah, I when I was writing some notes for this, I I went on a long rant and I'll spare you, but what it, what it boils down to is like the movie didn't do a good job with its lessons, like you said, Paolo. Because the only thing that we know about them in the beginning is that they're girl obsessed and they're bullied. She, Lisa wants to teach them to be themselves. Like she's like, I just wanted you to be yourselves and stand up for yourself. And those aren't the same thing. So were they ever not themselves? And what is at that? One we point, don't know what know? it is. We don't know what <laughs> yeah. it is themselves. We, we don't know. these. Yeah, characters. I don't know what be yourself means. All I know is that you're kind of lyric girls. Yeah, well, and I think that's part of it. I think the idea of like the fantasy versus the reality, uh-huh. like part of the lesson that she teaches them is just the just that like the fantasy is one thing but in reality it's really you know they learn to like make these connections with these girls that actually exist right in front of them and that they are capable of having these conversations with them and that they because they don't know what to do with it. I mean that's like the whole first thing right like they literally they build their total fantasy dream woman and they don't even know what to do with yeah her. true <laughs> one of the things I cannot believe Lisa fix for them specifically uh that actor uh opposite of anthony michael hall elon mitchell smith teach him how to not sound so annoying <laughs> no i like, lo- i loved his voice a missile in my house gary a missile no in that's my house, perfect gary. I love it. You know, he, uh, I, he I read, committed. <laughs> I read this funny bit that he went, the, the actor, which, by the way, a super cool guy. Apparently, he uh, retired acting. He's now a professor, super into D&D. Like, yeah. I would love to hang out with this person. He shared a story that uh, at the time he went to the premiere with Jasmine Bleeth. He was set up by his agent on a date with her. Oh, and they've not heard that name in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about an 80s movies. Uh, yeah. And they do not. They didn't know each other. And it was super awkward. He was trying to like make her laugh and she wouldn't have it. And they both just kind of like didn't want to be there. But he was he said that he was watching the movie premiered and has her by his side, which she's a really attractive person. And he's hearing himself act in his <laughs> voice. And he's like, oh, my God, is that how I sound like? Like, is that what people are hearing? I'm just like, I'm sorry, buddy. That must have been a tough, tough oh, night. What a tough way to find that out. I mean, do right, it, do, like, doing the podcast it. is how I found out what I sounded like. So. Ah. <laughs> I started to make a list of things that I like about the movie because I didn't want to be mm. such a Debbie Downer about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Kelly LeBrock, even though there were some questionable parts about the movie, was very charming. Yes. She is stunning and her outfits are incredible. Like, as you said, they absolutely set the tone of the movie and just it's just chef's kiss. The, Every look. The wardrobe has age fine. The hairstyles <laughs> mm-hmm. of everyone, no. But the wardrobe, <laughs> but hairstyles, no, but or makeup. But it's almost like like when they come down the stair, the boys come down the stairs, and she's in that metallic pink dress, yeah. plus the teased hair with the perm. More is more is more, and I just love it. feels like a parody of itself, but I think that they were actually like, we're going to make her look super hot. And like, that's oh, the outfit wasn't that, that hard. No, I, I mean, yeah, she looks amazing in anything, but like, I just... Each look, it felt like every scene she had a new outfit, and I loved that. Any more thoughts on the movie, or should we get to 
the good stuff. Let's get to the yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I'm ready to move on. But I also, if anyone's listening who like really loves weird science, keep loving weird science. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> Bill Paxton. Incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great performance. Yeah, so but just before we move yeah. on, just dropping. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that there's definitely a reason why like this one is kind of what when we're talking about John Hughes, it's always sort of begrudgingly yeah. brought up last. Like, oh, yeah. And weird science. You know, I, it, it's it's not top tier. All right. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, magic, technology, voodoo dolls and chants. Yes, <laughs> after the break, it's Oingo Boingo and we're science. The song will go on is here in flesh and blood. We're alive. <laughs> <laughs> that was my Danny Elfman tribute. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> we're alive and back. Today's movie song creation. That's why we're dissecting Oigo Boigo's Weird Science. Sophie, the song setup. It's your creation. Unleash it upon us. <laughs> All right. Weird Science is a song by American New Wave ska band Oingo Boingo and serves as the theme song to Weird Science movie and TV show. And it was written by their frontman, Danny Elfman. Oingo Boingo was formed in 1979 by Elfman, and the group evolved from a street theater troupe called the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo, which was founded by Elfman's brother, Richard. And they released eight studio albums from 1981 to 1995. According to Elfman, he got a call from John Hughes asking him to write the song for the movie, and he started constructing it while driving in the car. Elfman claimed he heard the whole thing in his head by the time he arrived to a studio to record the demo. Which is actually pretty much the same story with the Simpsons theme yeah, song. Yeah. Yeah, so Danny Elfman wrote those three iconic notes. You know them. Along with the rest of the song. But anyway, on writing that theme, he said, I wrote it in one day, in the car on the way home from the meeting, and ran downstairs to my studio, recorded a demo, and sent it out. Hats off to him. <laughs> if it's true... Uh, Hall of Famer Danny Elfman from Productivity While Traveling. Yeah, I literally have that in my section, <laughs> Sorry, in my yeah. section later. Uh, so Weird Science was released on the film soundtrack and was the second single released from Oingo Boingo's 1985 album, Dead Man's Party. Uh, behind the song, you guessed it, Dead Man's Party. It's Dead Man's Party. The song reached number 45 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, number 21 on the U.S. Dance Club charts, and number 81 in Canada. You guys are crazy. Yeah. Number one. If I was in 1985, I would have been like, what's wrong with the whole Yeah. Well, actually. <laughs> that's a hot year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's Oingo Boingo's most successful single also. Beginning in the mid-80s, Elfman started to work as a film composer for Tim Burton's films, beginning with Pee-wee's Big Adventure in 85. So that's the same year as this movie. His scoring work would draw him away from the band, and there's evidence of this in the Weird Science music video. According to Elfman, he was usually very hands-on with the videos, but because of the, his film scoring, he didn't have much to do with the concept. So I know that we're definitely going to get into the video, but I feel like in this section, 
I have to tell you what happens in this video. Like I need to summarize the plot of this video. So the music video sets Elfman in a facility equipped with an operating table, conveyor belt, and a large rotating turntable that Elfman stands on, which is powered by gray-skinned women in spandex jumpsuits who look like mannequins that also litter the set. The other members of Oingo Boingo assemble a woman on an operating table. And honestly, it's really hard to make out what's happening. So this is just my best guess. They keep trying to make women out of mannequins, but they keep coming out looking like versions of famous pop stars of the day, like Cyndi Lauper, Dolly Parton, and Madonna, but with gray skin and in spandex. So they create a little doll, which Elfman throws into a portal of computer graphics and out emerges Kelly LeBrock, completely green screened into the scene. And she has a, another killer outfit, spandex skirt, studded jacket, and the most teased hair I've ever seen. Elfman would go on to state that the video was embarrassing <laughs> and uh, he deserved the mocking that he received by none other than Beavis and Butthead. This guy thinks he's like smart. Yeah. This video is like complicated. <laughs> yeah. It's stupid. What do you remember from this video? Uh, Come on, go back there. Misery. No way. Come on, it was it was it miserable shooting? It? Yeah, and I deserved it years later when I got Beavis and Butthead, you know, because it's the one video that I, that I did that I had nothing to do with. Every video I made, I got involved with. I came up with them and co-directed or whatever. And this one, I was now a film composer and I was on a score and they're doing this video for Weird Science and I said, okay, I I'm busy, Just I'll just show up on the set. And what I end up with <laughs> is this really, really embarrassing thing. And of course today, everything follows you forever. And so I'm watching Beavis and Butthead later and they're watching and their Weird Science comes on and I go, oh, I so deserve this. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I earned this. It's like. What about it do you not like, though? I mean, what is it? The, the lack of your control over it, sort of the creative stamp or, or what you had to do? Because it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what you both think about the song. Were Beavis and Butthead onto something or should they butt out? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just start by saying that this is one of my all-time favorite movie songs. <laughs> if not number one, honestly, I listen to it on a weekly basis for years and years. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Danny Elfman, both his film music work and yes, his work for Oingo Boingo. Might be my top five artists overall. Like, Ooh. this is as close as we've gotten in this podcast to my own Hall of Fame in music. I can't really tell you when I started listening to this song, but maybe probably around first year of college when I discovered Elfman and his work. It's just one of my favorite songs. Having said that, Let's see what you guys think. <laughs> this song, I've heard it a billion times. I feel good every time I hear it. That's yeah. the thing. I never get sick of hearing it. Like, makes you want to dance. Like, it's super fun. It's so catchy. I can also say, I feel that way about Oingo Boingo in general. Like, when I worked, I worked at a record store for a very long time. And we would play a lot of Elfman. Our store owner at the time loved Elfman. And we would play a lot of that in Oingo Boingo. And it's just, it gets... You know, you read the room, right? And like it always gets people just grooving. Yeah. Grooving in the aisles, grooving in the racks. <laughs> like it's just it's it's so fun. And I'm always a sucker for, you know, an original movie song, yeah. which is the whole basis of your your pod. Yeah. <laughs> this is for sure one of the best. Like it's just great. And it's aged well. 
talking about the movie not aging well, but this is still just top top notch. Sounds incredible, hugely influential, I think. Yes. And then everything else that Elfman's gone on to do, it it makes sense. Like you can see so much of his, you know, what would come after in his work with Oingo Boingo. It's like, it, it just all makes sense. Of course he would work with Tim Burton, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to this song also probably on a weekly basis, independent of your listening, uh, like in the car. It always manages to pop up on my Spotify somehow, and I never skip it. I can pinpoint the moment where I had been aware of this song, but like it, what really made me pay attention to it, it's from Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast. <laughs> and... There is an episode. I looked it up. It's uh, 3.13. If you want to look it up, it's called Gumbo Challenge. And it's Scott Ackerman, Ben Schwartz, Paul Banks from Interpol, and Horatio Sands playing Would You Rather. And it's (laughs) this question. This is perhaps one of the most I've laughed in my life. This episode of Comedy Bang Bang. (laughs) Would you rather have to loudly sing the theme to weird science whenever someone talks to you? Or... (laughs) Have two snakes for arms instead of actual arms <laughs> till you get a PhD in D&D. Which is like such an appropriate question now that we know that Elon Mitchell Smith like plays D&D. But uh, yeah, so it is this episode in particular that really made me be like, I need to listen to Weird Science to see if I could sing this song before <laughs> every time someone addresses me. That clip does not do it justice because they go on and on talking about like, well, what, what type of snakes? Garden snakes? Like, yeah. Like, snakes? You know, that's not, like, it's, oh my God. First off, there hasn't been an easier question for me because I am both petrified of snakes and also love this song. So I would <laughs> definitely sing the Weird Science. Oh, like, you are in the minority. I know. Spoiler I know. alert. Everyone chose snake arms. Instead of singing, you have to sing a six minute song every time someone addresses you. I would do that freely. I want to sing the weird science every time before talking. I don't think you've thought this through. (laughs) But I have a question. And I mean, I feel like I already know the answer, but I also love this song. And I'm just curious, like if you had to pick one, like which one it would be. And that would be Thomas Dolby's She Blinded Me With Science. I love that song. I also, oh my yeah. god! I love that song too. So, yes. like, which one would you pick? Like, if, you could, <laughs> if one had to go, what one science song? <laughs> I pick this one without even thinking. Yeah, yeah. That, that doesn't mean I don't. I absolutely love the other one. I actually, I actually was even thinking about. Well, there you go. You have to be guessed on that because I've been thinking like, has it been used as a needle drop? Yeah, just an excuse to talk about that song. We're gonna dig some obscure oh. movie out of somewhere just so we can talk about that song. Yeah, I mean, it has to be. Can you guys humor me for a second? I wanted to battle mm-hmm. a, a page from this song and look at the bits and pieces, as the lyrics say. I want to seg this monster of a song. Let's go. I'm going to start with perhaps the first thing that catches my ear is the percussion. Ooh. Sounds like a ringtone. It's so, <laughs> like an it's early so Nokia so ringtone. <laughs> I love it. So quirky. And, and the repetition is also like... Uh, hypnotic quality to it yeah the percussion is really good also at the end of this song the percussion just goes full on chaos in a way that it is really cool whoa Mm. 
just like the movie just you know just things just start flying off when when the machines the the technology kicks in the machines <laughs> are going on so yeah that's the percussion cool now i want to look at some cool parts of the bass which i think it's the hard bit of this song and the feature is what i think is if you can say the main melody motive of the song here <laughs> Slapping the bass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's some serious slapping. Two things. First off, I thought it sounds a little bit like Mario. Yes. Yeah. A little bit like that, but also a little bit like a heartbeat, if that makes sense. I don't know. Like it just sounds like oh, like a bubbling came yeah. coming to yeah, like yeah. you know like like the monster is coming to life with oh, the bass. You sold me. <laughs> Another cool detail is how in sync the drums and bass are. At the end, I go bum, ba, da, ba, bum, bum. And the kick drum, just like that double kick kicks in. Ah, I love that too. <laughs> Perhaps my favorite aspect of this, my favorite bits and piece of this song, <laughs> it's the spooky synth that adds an absolute B-movie mm. horror flavor to it. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> I, I see you, Rachel, yeah. like, like so savoring like, that. Uh. It's just that, like, that icy, er, yeah. you know, era of synths that you just, you yeah. know, just, just divine. <laughs> Everything is so catchy. Every single detail is so melodic. Mm -hmm. And without a doubt, you have to mention the horn section there, because it's a pure earworms, the horns here. I love it. Yeah. And and that is honestly, it's the horn section that makes Oingo Boingo like so good. Like it's that secret sauce. They're actually at one point in time, they were an octet. So they include like a full horn section in the band. Here's an example of at the end. Again, this song sort of unleashes chaos at the end. All the instruments, we heard the percussions, how it goes into chaos. Horns too. It's yeah. so cool hearing that isolated. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's also time to talk about perhaps the second star. If, if Elman is the first star, the second star here is Steve Bartek, the guitarist of mm. Ongo Boingo. Oh, that's the solo. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the music video, he is the coolest part because that when his solo becomes <laughs> and he like jumps out of whatever it is and he's just like soloing yep. there. I'm like, I want to be you in this moment in time. Like, can I just like <laughs> Freaky Friday? <laughs> and like, but again, near the end of the song, we're absolutely 
just chaos ensures. This is a revelation for me, by the way. Like, listen to the guitar, how it's behaving at the end of the song. Like, holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting hearing it isolated because it sounds like I, I obviously knew that ending, but isolated, it sounds like a much like harder rock. Sound. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. this is what it reminded me of Van Halen's eruption. Yeah, I mean, mm. if you if you just if they had kept it at the end, just kind of by itself, but all like dirty and distorted like that absolutely sounds like Van Halen. God, he shreds that guitar in yeah. this song. Oh, my God, I love it. And we I also mentioned another beats and pieces, how cool the bass and drum play with each other. The guitar, too, when you pl the guitar and the, and the bass, when they're playing with each other, sounds so good here. they're playing and the same kind of motives to the notes they're just, you know they're just similar sophie we've arrived to the man himself yes danny elfman let's <laughs> look at his vocal performance the iconic line from my heart from my hand why don't people understand my intentions mm -hmm. check out how awesome it's executed from my heart and from my hand why don't people understand my intentions they're doubling the voices but one yeah. of them is like low and then mm -hmm. one of them is high mm -hmm. and it creates this, this obviously Elfman just has an amazing color with his voice or this type of B-horror movie kind of tone to it. But it just creates like this Dr. Jekyll, Miss High kind of thing, like these two voices talking. And that's just the start of the song. It's uh, a killer opening to a song. Like yeah. it immediately draws you in. Also, the detail he adds throughout the whole song with his at libs are super cool here. Not what teachers said to do bits and pieces, bits and pieces, bits of my creation. Is it real? It's my creation. I do not know. Okay, a little bit of Bohemian Rhapsody vibes with those harmonies. Yeah, so that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love how we're hearing this on headphones, and I don't know, yeah. but the ends, how it pans from left to right, <laughs> and then the backup vocals, just how cool they're doing it just i mean it just shows like i'm just constantly amazed at you know you look at danny elfman and his career and it's like this is somebody who understands the power of like post-production and all these things and i'm just amazed like how you can see all these pieces bits and, and pieces like, hear it and put them all together <laughs> yeah all yeah. these bits and pieces and stitch it together into this incredible pop song that went yeah like when you're dissecting it it's just it's like a just a giant puzzle and it's just magical to me and just really shows like what a true iconic musician that Danny Elfman really is. It's he was he was born to go on to do bigger, you know, compositional stuff because that's what he's doing right here. He's composing. I'm so glad that he has kind of returned to making his own albums like as as a solo artist, because 
His voice is just so good. And it's very clear, but somehow it works perfectly for rock music, which usually doesn't, the vocalists don't usually have that clarity in their voice. And his vocals on Oingo Boingo is just unparalleled. Okay, it reminded me, I was like, okay, there's like an era of music that I'm sure you were both familiar (laughs) with, where there was bands like Head Automatica and like Hot Hot Heat. Mm. Or like the Academy is where there's there was like this era of like kind of emo-y singers yes. that sung this way. <laughs> yeah, there's an inflection in the voice that yeah, yeah I, I see the connection. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, yeah, like, and you'll just, you might my remix section <laughs> might be a little oh, bit true to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the last bit I had is just how much fun he always I feel like brings to things and. On the intro, it's theatrical. Yes. On the intro, I did the whole like, oh, that was my Elfman tribute. This is uh, the, what I was sort of calling to, but. Oh, my creation is it real? Just flesh and blood. Just flesh and blood. Just flesh and blood. Oh, I love it, man. Also, that, the way he said blood at the end was so emo. Like, that was yes. perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, do you want to see how all the bits and pieces come together? We need to stop with the bits and pieces. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sophie. Yeah. No. <laughs> ah, so good. Listening to that in the headphones right now, I just got like every single texture and it helps that we listen to it yeah, isolated no, yeah. too. I, I had so much fun doing this. I brought us another clip so we can enjoy <laughs> the breakdown, but. Okay, that was such fun. I'm sorry. I'm my face is the smile that I have. (sighs) Yeah, and hearing that just made me think how appropriate this song is for the movie. In my Mm -hmm. opinion, is it better than the movie? Yes, but uh, it also it captures just the right amount of spooky, kooky Frankenstein that the movie leans into but it also has enough levity and joy in it to tell us like oh this movie is still a comedy it's quirky Uh it's just the right amount of like kind of a little awkward and also it also fits with the score really well Mm. i think and so it doesn't stand out as like you know kind of like oh that's kind of feels weird like it really fits well with the score and all of the other i mean there's a lot of actually other really cool needle drops in this this movie yeah. as well, I will say. So it all it all fits together. Yeah. Oh, man, is the music one of the best parts about this? I think it is. I sure. think it might have to be. <laughs> all I know is this. I love Halloween. I love this song. I love recording this pod. I'm having so much fun. Yeah. Let's keep going. <laughs> Should we talk a little bit about Oingo Boingo before we move to answerable questions? I feel like we, we sh- just a little bit, but. Yeah, I feel mm-hmm. like we owe it to Danny. 
We owe it to the other members of Oingo yes, Boingo. That's exactly yeah. Right. They had other soundtrack kits. Sophie mentioned one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dead Man's Party was in the film Back to School, which actually even features them performing. They're like, make a cameo performing yeah. in the school dance. This is Dead Man's Party. It's Dead Man's Party. On every Halloween playlist. Rachel, I'm sure you've included that on some of your playlists. This one, I mean, before we even did this, Mm -hmm. like this song was on my liked, you know, songs Uh on on Spotify. Like, I love that song. They also had a song in the Tom Hanks comedy Bachelor Party, which I've actually never seen, but I know the movie. The song has the same title as the movie, of course. And another soundtrack hit that I think Rachel will probably be very familiar with this because we're probably both really good fans. <laughs> Flesh and Blood in Ghostbusters mm-hmm. 2. Oh, yeah. No, Ghostbusters 2 scarred me for life. Yeah. And he pronounced blood almost the same way that he did. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite. Like Rachel said, like absolute fun songs overall from Oigo Boigo. Here's like a couple of one. That last one was actually from Elfman's 84 solo project called So Dash Low. By all means, everyone considers his Uncle Boingo song. Is like yeah, no I think the, his, the record label kind of was more interested in yeah. Elfman than in Oingo Boingo. So it is an unofficial Oingo Boingo record. Yeah, but some of those uh, songs right there, uh, Elfman performing Coachella, which... Brought me so much joy seeing like the reception he got. He looks incredible. He's oh, yeah. jacked too. Yeah, he is <laughs> yeah, jacked. You know what he was doing in the pandemic? Like it's some kind of like yeah. prison guy, like just yeah, pumping like, iron. What's it called? Me, yeah, 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 like no idea. just gets out of bed, just like push ups, hundred. Okay, let's write some. Yeah, music. and he is inked. Like he got he got all those tattoos recently, so he didn't he didn't have all those before. He was like a full chest done. To cap it all off before answerable questions, I have one piece of trivia for you all. Can you tell me <laughs> the mo- the 2008 movie that Elfman went back at his Oingo Boingo days and wrote a song in a similar vein? Can you name a 2008 movie? All right, spare us. Just tell us. Angelina Jolie is in it. Oh, Wanted? Yes. Ah, uh, there we go. Yeah. It- Wait, is that the one with the bullet? Yep. Yeah, the bending the bullets. <laughs> yeah. He-, he scored that too, right? He scored that, okay. but he wrote a song in this vein that what we're playing it's called the little things mm-hmm. it's an absolute hidden gem so okay 
yeah, I absolutely want to cover that in a future episode. I'm very <laughs> tired of uh, talking about Elfman. Maybe our Patreon supporter, Ralph, he's also a super Elfman fan. Maybe he'd be down. Cool. Answerable questions? I'm ready. Let's go. All right, seven seconds in heaven. What seven seconds from the song gives you goosebumps? Rachel, what do you have? Oh, it's that ooh. I, yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. It, that, that ooh gets me. And it's just, I don't know. This just like, just this like fun little break. I think it, you know, it, just like how you broke down all those pieces. I think you really get to hear some of those mm-hmm. in this segment. And I just think it's so fun. That's also and right just, after Bartek's solo. So you just, you're just coming out of his first <laughs> solo. Mm-hmm. And then you like get right in the rail of the song. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a nice little breather, but it's also really propulsive. And mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, you're just grooving by that point. You're like, oh, yeah, this feels good. Totally. <laughs> so I just, I love it. Here is Sophie. Ooh, got that spooky synth. Ah, uh, yeah. If I could just have a couple more seconds, I would absolutely put in the, yeah. is it real? Because yeah, no, no, yeah, no. <laughs> that, that's honorable mentioned in this part, but... uh I love, we've been saying it the entire podcast, but the the repetition of bits and pieces throughout (laughs) is sort of like the undercurrent of the song. It really like keeps the song going and, Mm -hmm. you know, just love the drums right as we jump into Elfman's killer delivery of my creation. So Rachel, your seven seconds were exactly mine. That's what I had. Oh, cool. (laughs) I love it. That's that's the part where I'm like, this is the greatest song ever. It's exactly at that point. (laughs) I just finished <laughs> the solo and the horn kicks in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this song. For the sake of picking another one, I picked another one. It was pretty much Sophie's example. Just that real, how he holds on to it. Like, yes. is it real? Oh. Mm-hmm. Favorite lyric. Each host sheds light on their favorite lyric. Rachel, let's start with you. This is not a surprise, but yeah, when he says, from my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intentions? I, I just think it's the way it flows. It's that the rhythmic delivery of it. And I mean, also, if you want to like, you could like dig into it really deeply mm-hmm. and like analyze <laughs> yeah. it. It's just like, there's a there's a lot there, you know, but more than anything, I just love the way he delivers it. <laughs> but also you can summarize basically that's Frankenstein in a nutshell mm-hmm. from my heart yeah. and from my hand. Those two things. Why don't they get it? Why don't they get what I'm trying to do? Yeah. Like, what is so hard? <laughs> Understand. I just want a babe to follow me around. Yeah. <laughs> so the exact same from my heart and from my hand. Why don't people <laughs> understand my intentions? He opens the song with that. First of all, like, thematically perfect like you said and then also just it, the way that that line draws you in and then just explodes into this killer groovy song i just it doesn't get better than that my favorite lyric is plastic tubes and pots and pans beats and pieces and the magic from my hand yeah plastic tubes and pots and pans the use of those specific things, just the type of science we're talking about, the movie, the tone of it, 
Mm-hmm. It just gives it this like B movie, like home, like it's not serious, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't ask questions about the sign. It's just a bunch of plastic tubes and pots and pans. <laughs> Has it aged well? We ask ourselves if the movie and song have aged well. Uh, I'm just gonna start off and saying 100, percent and I will not entertain any other options on this. But for the sake <laughs> of democracy, let's go with Rachel. What do you think? Movie? No. Song? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I when we ask the question, has it aged well? Like, I I wouldn't say that this song sounds like it came out today it definitely sounds like a product of its time but good i'm not tired of it no one's tired of it and it's been however many years but i feel like it's in the category of itself it's time in a good way yes versus not like ah it's so annoying like it's not cheesy at all and you know what i'm not even nostalgic for it like it doesn't necessarily make me think of that time period necessarily like i'm just well yeah, yeah. i'm just jamming exactly underrated or overrated is a song a movie underrated or overrated um rachel i mean underrated i think i i never think oingo boingo gets enough credit the clash is my favorite all-time band and i mm. like them for a similar reason like oingo boingo i love the fact that they were willing to experiment with different musical styles and also fuse that with their own. And they were never scared to pigeonhole their sound. We mentioned the ska elements. We mentioned, you know, it's, well, it's, I mean, it's punk rock and it's approach that like, mm-hmm. no, we're just going to like make cool music. And I don't think that this song and Oingo Boingo in general gets enough credit for that. I think Oingo Boingo is incredibly underrated. This song is, as we said, their most popular song. Maybe, I mean, I'm glad for that fact, but I also hope that people check out their albums. And the whole Dead Man's Party album is great. Yeah, I always say underrated. Mm-hmm. Hall of Fame moment. Who or what had their best moments in pop culture with this movie or song? It can be anything. A person, a studio, a film, a music genre. But that person, I don't know. Let's go with Rachel. Do you have any Hall of Fame moments for you? Yeah, outside of just hairspray in general. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, I don't think this was the peak of her career, but I think she needs a shout out. Her name is Marilyn Vance. She was the costume designer. Ooh. And she's incredible. Like there's so many iconic looks in this film and she did a lot of she did. I think she did all of John Hughes stuff, but she also did like Predator. She did Die Hard. She did Pretty Woman. She did. Yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm just like the untouchable. She was not unemployed during the 80s. (laughs) She was not unemployed. But you think like you look at her credits and it's like. This woman dressed the 80s and there's like she defined so many iconic looks for characters that are just, you know, quintessential in cinema and she's still working. So, you know, shout out to her because she absolutely elevated this film with some of her very interesting choices. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Totally. Yeah, totally. Because she, when I think of 80s fashion, I think of all of these movies. Wow. Hats off to her. So do you have any? Yeah, we we mentioned it before. Uh, Hall of Fame moment for car composing. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, you know, it works for him as a method of composition. So Hall of Fame moment for being productive in L.A. traffic. 
<laughs> yeah, See, and also so- he's probably made the most money off of things that he's composed in the car, being like Simpsons and Weird Science. So I wonder if he's a good driver, though. Or yeah, if he's right. like highly distracted. <laughs> like, Sophie know. has a, like an upcoming commute, and I told her like, "Hey, you can just like ride while you're driving." See, Danny Elfman did it, so <laughs> yep. you can do it. Maybe too. I'll come up with my own weird science in the car. <laughs> I have a couple. Um, annoying voice by an actor again. A missile in my house, Gary! A missile in my house, Gary! A missile in my house, Gary! No, I love it. Okay. I do not accept that Hall right, of Fame okay, moment. Um, I think an Uncle Boingling movies, honestly, that's yeah. a no-brainer. Fun movie titles. Mm-hmm. Like it's a great title. It well, is a great title. Uh actually, um Joel Silver, the producer, optioned uh, a comic called Weird Science. I don't think any of the installments of the comic had to, to do with this plot. Maybe they just wanted the title and, and had to option yeah. it that, I that mean, way. It's just a combination of two words that means a wonder of possibilities that yeah. I'm all for exploring. I love it. Also, the title card in the movie is pretty great. Like, I love it when it comes to that yeah. electricity. I'm like, man, I love the branding here. Yep. Anything else or do we move on to Remix? Um, Hall of Fame moment for rock bands with a horn section. Love that. Give me more of it. I want it. (laughs) Remix, which of today's current artists or band, who would you be your choice if the movie came out today? I I thought about this and I think I'm going to do, it's going to be a, you know, because you know how they do it. You know, we talked about Ghostbusters and how they'll pick like different artists Mm -hmm. to like collab on it. Okay. So I was thinking, because this is so groovy, and so Thundercat. Ah. He can bring the grooves, and then Kamasi Washington can bring the horns. And for the vocals, I was thinking like maybe like Sam Smith could do Tell me that you do dirty, dirty boy. You know everyone is talking on the scene. He has the range for it. Yeah. Yeah, the range. Mm-hmm. And I think like if he I think he's got a good attitude about it, that would <laughs> have fun. Maybe like, you know, he'd like embody that. And I think all of those people together could create something really I love it. You like Frankenstein yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Pieces for your remix. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, uh-huh. you know, equivalent, like on the same level as Oingo Boingo, because you know, but also they could make it their own, mm-hmm. I think. Nice, so, nice. Sophie, you've been on fire in this category. Ooh, well, I don't know if I can continue? follow that. Will the um, continue? Okay, so this was tough, but I went off of vocally who could do something similar to Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. And I chose Panic at the Disco. Oh, yeah, because yeah, I right. feel like Brendan Urie delivers like a dynamic vocal performance in all of their songs. Yep. He's got the range. He's got the energy. He kind of has a sense of humor too. So I think that he would get like a big kick out of doing Weird Science. I think so yeah. too. That's great. They just released a Good new call. album, right? Yeah, they've been they've been back for yeah, yeah. the past few years now. Yeah. We were talking, I was talking about this with Sophie the other day and 
you know how, for example, U2 is a band that was famous in the from the 80s, but they've traveled over decades. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I was looking at The Killers just released another album, Panic at the Disco 2. And I was thinking to myself, what are the bands from the 2000s that like some of the bands have to do that, right? Like we just think about them from the 2000s because, well, we haven't had <laughs> the trajectory. But at some point, someone said of U2 in the 90s, I imagine like, oh, that's the band from the 80s or something until they have this mega big hit and they're not from that decade anymore. So I was like, is the... I was just thinking about like, is that Killers going to be around for like 30 years, 40 years or Panic at the Disco? Like, are those going to be the bands? But could be. I mean, I remember like in high school, I got made fun of, like bullied about how much I loved Green Day. And this was before American Idiot. Oh. So like, yeah, like bands. Yeah, they've been around they for a while too. Around. And My Chemical Romance, they could also do this. I think. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I thought of them too, because they're back. <laughs> they're back, yeah. baby. <laughs> Emo uh, resurgence. <laughs> revival. Yes, revival. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> My pick for remix is a band called Big Black Delta. I picked it because I love this band too. <laughs> and they also have a very 80s feel to them. When you hear it, it might not be a match match, but I'm thinking I'm taking a leap of faith here. And I think they can def they definitely can bring the dark and moody tone. They can mm. also make really great catchy melodies. I can hear it in the in the instrumentation. Yeah. 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 WTF, a moment from the movie or song that made you think it might have needed a second opinion. Let's go. Rachel, what do you have? I, there's not a thing about this song that I would change. Mm -hmm. The movie, there's there's a few. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie, do you have a WTF? In that clip that you played before of Danny Elfman being kind of like scarred by Beavis and Butthead making fun of him. And even if it was deserved... He's done so much cool stuff that I really don't think that he should feel bad or insecure about this. So <laughs> just WTF, you're Danny Elfman. Own it. No shame. Yeah. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> Even though, yeah, the video is kind of weird, but whatever. It's fine. It's embrace it. It's the 80s. <laughs> all right. I have one from the movie. And out of all the things in the movie that made you go like, what? What was the choice behind this? This is my number one. Mm, and okay. it is how the bullies laugh. And I'm talking about Robert Downey Jr.'s character and the other, I, I don't know. The other the, guy. The other <laughs> guy. He, I mean, he was in Nightmare on Elm Street. He was in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Bank, not, he's not a, like a no one. I just don't know his, don't his name. But they play sort of like the popular kids, bullies, uh -huh. and they're the ones who bully our two protagonists. But their laugh and their <laughs> mannerisms after they do things like, it really is, might be my most what up moment in the song will go on until now. Like, just here. At Tower World! Oh. <laughs> 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 Max, what about the girls? Girls, smiles! <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Gosh, I never noticed. <laughs> what is that? Who makes that decision on set and be like, Got it. It's in the can. Moving on. Yeah. Like, I, they were like, remember, these are the cool guys. So you have to sound <laughs> cool. And they were like, got it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Amazing pick, Paolo. You win. I it mean, makes me think that, like, you said this was option from, like, a comic book. This mm -hmm. actually would work better. Like, if you just literally, like, 
adapted this movie into a comic book and yeah. like drew it all out like, like literally actually work better listen again to the first laugh and tell me how that ends up in a movie a tower. <laughs> it's very goofy <laughs> like this party's lame max what about the girls girls you know what the first laugh reminds me of uh, a goofy movie when oh, Max yeah. is having the dream and he accidentally laughs as Goofy. <laughs> he's embarrassed. That, that That's what it is, except he's apparently a bully here. Yep. To be continued, are we going to revisit this soundtrack? Is there another song to cover? Maybe I'm, for needle drops? Maybe. I was going to say, there's, I am a, there's some needle drops on here. Like the Killing Joke song is, just, ugh, I'm always a big fan of that song anytime it drops, so. Yeah, it's a it's a good soundtrack. I don't know if it's a song will go on territory, but we'll see. I don't know. Will the song go on? Will the song live on and continue to be part of pop culture? I'll start by saying I'll do everything I can to, including yeah. creating a show, a podcast, and talking about it and, and trying to make it sound good. Uh, Rachel, what do you think? Will the song 100%. go on? 100%. 100%. Iconic. Sophie? Yeah. I really hope so. I think that people will probably become familiar with it through Danny Elfman and then looking into Oingo Boingo. Uh, I'm not sure if people are... Well, John I, I don't Hughes, know. though. John Hughes, though. I know, but this is like the last on everyone's list in terms of the... John, like, And even me as a John Hughes fan in high school, I never really made it to watching this Yeah, but one, John so. Hughes, his use of music is very important in his part of That's his true. film. And even if you go on Spotify, there's like John Hughes playlists and stuff like that. And if you make a John Hughes playlist and not have Weird Science, That's it's true. like Weird Science and Don't You Forget About Me. Like if it doesn't have mm -hmm. anything of those two, like it's it doesn't dead on arrival. Agreed. YouTube comments. So it was your task to go on YouTube, find some comments and see what the people were saying about the music or the music video. What do you got for us? Anything good? It was a little bit slim pickings with this one because I think it was just mostly a lot of people being like, the 80s were the best decade ever. Yeah, um, 80s songs tend to have that as YouTube comment. All people very just Very true. Like, okay, so here's what we found. He has such a unique sound. I call his genre Halloween rock. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like because I know that we picked this episode to do because it's October. Um, but it's not necessarily a Halloween movie. It has just enough to make it into that category. So it's appropriate. But yeah, I think Elfman's vocals and just his genre in general absolutely belongs in the category of Halloween rock. <laughs> yeah, it's not Halloween for me without listening to Weird Science. Yeah, or Dead Man's Party. Yeah. Yeah. And Rachel, you'll appreciate this one. Someone should mix this with She Blinded Me With Science. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> so the internet has requested it. If someone can deliver, please do. All right, Paolo, get on yeah. it. I actually did a reference to that song uh, at the beginning. I think these are something sometime that I said, science! Yeah. And I was like, yes. a reference. I got uh -huh. my wires crossed, literally, because there's just so... He kind of looks like... like yeah. He looks like him in the video, too. Yeah. Thomas Dolby, it looks like... Yeah. <laughs> Also, what a name. Thomas Dolby. One of my favorite musicians' yeah. name. All right, here's one. <laughs> I'm more attracted to creepy scientist Danny Elfman than I care to admit. That's a good question. <laughs> yes, Rachel, Sophie. Uh, what do you think about Danny Elfman in the music video? He has a charisma. <laughs> yeah. 
I yeah. think he looks better now. He's aged well. I think <laughs> he really has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, here's our last one. My sixth grade science slash math teacher, Mr. Jewel, would play this song after we finished math and got our supplies for science. I may have hated Mr. Jewel to the bone, but he does have good taste in music. <laughs> Shout out to you, Mr. Jewel. <laughs> yeah. All right. Unfortunately, that's a wrap. I feel I'm bummed out that we are finished with Weird Science, but... It's Honestly. okay. Once we stop recording, we can all just go listen to the song again. <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for coming on board and taking this weird ride with us. It is just one of my favorite songs, and I'm just excited. Like, this is when when we did the podcast, we all have like wish lists. Like, oh, I can't wait to do that. Couldn't wait to do that. Rachel, you were the perfect guest for this. <laughs> with that said, Rachel, where can people keep following your work? Again, give them a reminder. Where can they find you? Oh yeah. Well, first, I'm honored. For to be asked on such a you know prestigious song like this was great um so yeah you can follow me on instagram and twitter if you'd like uh, on twitter i'm at vinyl girl g-r-r-r-l instagram at the vinyl girl and yeah i've haunted a lot of different sites these days rumorg dread central i'm all over but if you Give me a follow. I'll more often than not share them there. So. <laughs> well, Sophie, thank you so much. You are the perfect host come to life. Thank you so much for all your work on the pod and all your research. Last but not least, thank you all for listening to the pod. Again, check us out on Patreon. That's the way that you can help grow the podcast. If you're really into it, head down to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review on socials, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the sun will go on. We keep conversations there, stuff that they didn't make to the episode. We start a thread on Twitter, behind the scenes, work in progress. That's how you keep talking to us and not just one time a week. But thank you all for listening and till the next song. Bye. The Song Will Go On is written, researched, and produced by Sophie Matano and Paolo Garcia. Theme music is composed by William Russell. Consulting producers are JP Lee and Jonathan Fisher. Recording, editing, and mixing by Sophie Matano and Paolo Grassini. The Song Will Go On is a Gigawatts podcast. You can find Gigawatts on YouTube and on Instagram at gigawatts underscore YouTube.